This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. All right, so uh, you walked into, as we started last week, um, the world's largest counseling session, okay? Uh, so we started last week talking through some specific topics that as a, a counselor that, that I, I've, I've gotten as a pastoral counselor, what are some of the common reoccurring situations that maybe people would come to looking for help, looking for hope from somebody on the issue of pastoral counseling? So last uh, week we talked about depression uh, and sort of unpacked what that looked like. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about a specific topic, and in the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking things that I would say are some of the most common things that someone would come up and say, I need some pastoral counseling. And so you get to have this without having the stigma attached saying, well, I'm having to go to counseling. But also I will say this, as I said last week, I would much rather you come up to somebody and say, I'm going through a hard time in my life right now. And I need some biblical godly counsel rather than you try to struggle on your own. Uh, First off, guarantee this, there's nothing that you are struggling with right now that somebody else hasn't walked through. There is no temptation that is common to man, but God, so that everybody, we go through common stuff, different situations, different scenarios, but we all have the same type of things that are going on. And so when somebody walks into my office and says, Pastor, I know you've never heard this before, I say, try me. Double dog dare you. There's nothing you're going to drop on me that I've never heard before, except one time, but that's another story for another day. But most of the time, somebody comes in and says, hey, I've got something. It, it's common stuff. And so what I want to do is that through this time that we have over these next few Sunday evenings, we're going to talk through just some common things that we would have as a, maybe you're going through that you would want to get some counsel from, and we're going to draw some strength from God's word and some direction. And I'll also say this, maybe this isn't you tonight. Maybe this isn't where you are. But part of the thing about learning God's truth is it's not always for you, but maybe you need to be receptive so you can share it with somebody else. Uh, a lot of times, I think we, we want to think, well, this is all about me and what I'm learning. And, and yes, God uses that. But sometimes, folks, you're hearing something and it may not be for you. It might be for somebody else that you're going to come into contact with that's going through a certain situation that you want to help address it. So uh, tonight, we're going to talk about consequences, which is the unfortunate reality of major decisions. I know nobody in this room has ever had a set of consequences in their life that they wish they weren't dealing with, right? Now, all of us have had those things. And, and when it comes down to it, a lot of times we'll, we'll address with something consequences of decisions that we made either last week or 10 years ago. When we feel like, man, I'm still walking through this. And how do you biblically address those consequences? You, you see on the first little paragraph there, it says, after making bad decision, we are often left with the unfortunate reality of consequences. How should we go forward when we are dealing with effects from previous decisions? And um, I can remember a few years ago, someone coming in into my counseling office and said, hey, uh, Trav, I just want to tell you something's going on and a lot of stuff was going on in his life. Uh, basically, he had done something illegal in his work truck. Uh, his, uh, because of that, he got fired from his job. As a result of that, he went home and his wife and him got into a very heated uh, uh, argument where at some point he put his hands on her. The kids called the police and you, you name it, a lot of bad stuff happened, right? And he comes to my office to tell me all this stuff, and then this is where the, the, the story changes. He looks at me, and he goes, and I'm just so mad at God for doing this to me. And I said, come again. He said, I'm just so angry for God for doing this to me. And I said, are you telling me that God hit your wife? He looked at me, and he got up. He said, what would you say? I said, 
is your hearing bad? I asked the question, is God the one who hit your wife? He's like, no, I did that. I said, did God do something illegal in your truck? No, I did that. I said, so you're telling me that you did these things, but now you're mad at God because you just got natural consequences. Is that what you're telling me? Let's, let's just get real straight here. I do think sometimes God does stuff that you, can't, you don't have anything to do with. It just happens, and you got to deal with it, right? We're going to unpack that for a second. But a lot of times, folks, what really takes place is this is what's challenging. You want to say, am I dealing with this or that, or, or how does this shake out? Sometimes, fact, folks, we are just literally dealing with the facts of the decisions that we've made, and we're having to deal with the consequences of it. Is this making sense tonight? It's just like, it's not anybody's out to get you. This is just, if, if you do this, this happens. If you do A, B, it takes place. And so a lot of times, this is when you go down this list, I always ask this question, and this used to bother me a lot. Why am I going through this situation? Have you ever felt that way? Having an attack in life, you're dealing with some things, and you want to know, I just want to know why. And, and you ask a lot of questions. How many of you have ever said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God all this stuff, and you know, I'm going to ask him this, and he's, he's going to have, I'm glad we got eternity because i got a long list for him, right? And a lot of times what I'll see is in the Bible, when somebody encounters God and they got a lot of questions, all of a sudden they forget their questions when they see God. You ever notice that? Joshua's got a big plans, whatever, and then all of a sudden here comes the, the commander of the Lord's army, and then all of a sudden he's going, I, I don't have anything else to say. Job going, I want to talk with God. I got some questions for him. He shows up in a whirlwind, and what did he say? I put my hand over my mouth now. I've got nothing else to say. I'm good. I, I, I've seen you. No, no more questions. All, all good to go. But still, if, if we're honest tonight, there's a lot of us here that's going through something, and you want to say, well, why is this going through? Here, here's the, the scenarios. As I break it down in my mind, if you're going through maybe consequences in your life, here's the questions you're asking. Number one, is God trying to teach me a lesson? That's option number one. Maybe you're going through something right now because God is trying to teach you something. Now, how many of you have ever said, well, you could have just given it to me on a note card or given me a book, right? Rather than going through, walking through all this stuff because you just taught me in a different way. But is God trying to teach me a lesson? Is there something that he is trying to teach me here? Many of you know that some of the best and hardest lessons in your life is when God decided to be the teacher, right? They're challenging. But sometimes God says to his kids, I need to teach you a lesson. And you know what? This one is not going to be in a bullet point list. This is going to be real life. And it's going to hit you, and it's going to be hard for you to walk through. But trust me, on the other side of this, there, there's something better and greater. I uh, just got a phone call from a friend just yesterday who said, man, I, God answered this prayer for so long, but I had to walk through this season. And, and I never would have asked to do that. But because I walked through it, I'm closer to him because of it. Could God be trying to teach a lesson? Yes and amen, he could. Would that be a good thing? Absolutely. So maybe you're going through the situation you're going through right now because God's trying to teach you a lesson. Option number two is Satan trying to take me down. Now, is that a legitimate a possibility for anybody here? Okay, absolutely. Is Satan trying to take me down? Is all, all these circumstances coming on my life because the devil himself is trying to take me out of this game? Now, here's the problem, folks. It's, it's, some of y'all read the Bible enough to know sometimes... God has allowed Satan to do something, right? Uh, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that God sent, that God allowed a, a messenger of Satan to torment him. It was a thorn in the flesh. Well, who did it, God or Satan? Yep. Uh, Job gets uh, afflicted. Who did, who did Satan have to ask permission from? God. So, but in this, Here's the difference. Um, maybe you have learned in James chapter 1, God says he'll never tempt you. Did you know that? 
God's promised he'll never tempt you, but he will try you. He will test you, right? Now, there's a difference, folks, between a temptation and a test. Now, this is, this is hard for me to imagine because I remember thinking that when I was growing up, my teachers gave me a test so that I would fail. Does that make sense? I, I thought that's what they were doing. But really, when a teacher gives a test, are they warning you to fail? No, they're wanting you to do what? I want you to pass. I want you to succeed. I think you know this information, and you can do this. I believe in you. Here's the test. Show me that you've been listening. Show me that you've been paying attention. You've been doing the hard work. And then all of a sudden, you, you work it out, and it's a test. It's meant to show that you were successful. That's what God will give. God will give us a test so that we'll be successful. Satan doesn't give tests. He gives temptations. He's not wanting to see you succeed, is he? He's wanting to see you fail. So this is the difference. So you start going, okay, well, yet sometimes, let's be honest, your situation, you may not be able to tell which one it is. Is God trying to see me do something good or is Satan trying to take me down? Which one is it? There is a third scenario. Our enemies trying to frustrate me. You ever been there? Yeah, I don't think this is God. I don't think this is Satan. This is just some, this is just some evil people. <laughs> They're just rude. They're out to get me. They, they won't stop. They're, they're, you know, it seems like they are completely bent and determined to take me down, and they just won't let things ride. Um, sometimes there are people that will read certain things in the Bible and talk about praying against enemies, and some people go, I just don't know what that feels like. How many of you know what it feels like to have an enemy? Can I get a raised hand tonight? Okay. I, I know what it feels like. This person is, is for my destruction. They don't want good stuff to happen in my life. They're really trying to make it very difficult to me. And so maybe you're going through the situation because of that. So maybe it's God, maybe it's Satan, maybe it's just physical flesh and blood enemies. Or option number four is this. Are my consequences coming back to bite me? Are my consequences coming back to bite me right now? Sometimes, yes, God's trying to teach you a lesson. Sometimes Satan's trying to take you down. Sometimes enemies are trying to frustrate you. And sometimes this happens. You didn't put gas in the car. Guess what's going to happen? is going to run out. It's just a natural consequence. Nobody's, no, nobody's out to get you. You did A, B is going to take place. And so sometimes this is what's so frustrating because I go, God, I just want to know which one we're dealing with here. Is it you? Is it the devil? Is it other people? Or is this just the natural bent of, of my own decisions here? And, and this is the thing a few years ago in, in prayer I was struggling through and trying to say, God, will you just tell me who I'm dealing with here? You know, I just want to know. Give me the reason. Why am I struggling? And this helped me out because I, I found something to be true. Is going okay. So if I can't tell which one this is, this is kind of a, a kind of a framework that I think through. And here, here's the next thing: if God is testing me, what's the goal? Let me be found faithful. So if God is testing you right now, what is He hoping that will happen? That you'll be faithful. So maybe right now the situation in your life is because God is testing you. I believe this: if He's testing you. That means He He believes you can pass. With his strength, you can make the right call. You can do this kind of thing. So if God is the one who's orchestrating this situation right now, I believe that I know let, that the goal would be found faithful. But if Satan is tempting me, guess what the goal needs to be there? Let me be found faithful. Some of y'all going, I'm thinking I've seen a pattern here. You might be right. So if God is coming at you and he's, he's testing you with something, the goal is to be faithful. If Satan is trying to take you down, what's the goal? Remain faithful in it. Don't take a shortcut. Don't justify sin. Stay faithful to what he's called you to do. Well, guess what? If enemies are trying me, let me be found. Anybody want to guess? Let me be found faithful. 
Enemies are coming at you. They're trying to ruin your life, ruin your testimony, ruin your reputation, ruin everything about you. Guess what? Don't let it justify sin. If they're sinning against you, don't say, okay, well, I'm going to volley back. You just be found faithful. And guess what? If consequences are troubling me, let me be found faithful. Folks, maybe you're going through right now a time where you are, these are, what you're going through is the unfortunate reality of decisions that you've made. It just is what it is. You made this decision way back when or recently. Here's the natural consequences of that decision. And the fact of the matter is, it is what it is now. You can't go backwards. It is what it is. Now, what should you do? Be faithful right now. You cannot go backwards, but you can't, as you go forward, what, what will you do? And so for me, folks, this is what helps me. I believe maybe one day you'll find out who, who's responsible. But even if you don't, end result is the same, is it not? For every single one of us, we, we're just called to be faithful no matter what the situation is right now. So I want you to think through and process the situation, right? So if we think through how you're supposed to do this, if you're going through some type of trying circumstance, here's number one. If I could press rewind, what would I do differently? So if you're going through some kind of situation right now in your own life where you're going, man, I just feel like I am having to deal with these consequences. I'm going to beg you to do something. Don't miss the lesson here. Go, go, to your, go in your mind and say, all right, so this is happening, and I'm dealing with natural consequences of my own decisions here, right? If you could press rewind, what would I do differently? Now, is that a hard question to go through emotionally? I'm going to answer yes on that. That's challenging because I start walking through my mind and going, you know what, if I'd have just said this a little differently or if I wouldn't have done that, if, if this would have taken place, and, and you start thinking of all the what-ifs, right? And that'll make you go crazy, by the way, if you let it go on for too long, okay? Um, how many of y'all have ever, if I'd have just done this back there, if I would have never met that person and never made that decision? I get that, but this is why this is so important. If you don't acknowledge what happened, you might do it again. If you don't get in there and go, oh, man, what? If you don't really just sort of press in and say, what are the things that led me to this decision? You might repeat history again. So sometimes you got to go in and do the hard call and going, why did I make that decision there? Why, why did I get in that situation? Sometimes folks that have, that have gotten, if we get into the temptation, I'll ask people if they say, I, I feel like I keep getting caught in the same thing. Some of y'all read Romans 7 before where Paul says, the good stuff I want to do, I don't do. The stuff I hate, I just keep finding myself in. Here's a question I love to ask people. Well, what situation do you normally find yourself getting in? Right? That makes sense? So, like, y'all remember when your mama told you that a, nothing good ever happens after 11 o'clock? She wasn't too far from reality, was she? Maybe it wasn't 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock. No, I, I don't know what it was, but I, I've had those parents saying, nothing good happens after that time. You need to be home anyway, right? Nothing. And some of us would say, I disagreed with her at the time, but if I could go back, I'd say, Mama, you were right. Okay, like, what, what, what good has taken place? Even some people say, well, we had a church lock-in one time. We said, that ain't good either. It's just painful, misery, right? There's so much. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. But, but a lot of people would say, okay, if I, if I could go backwards, right, this is why it's so, so very important. If you could press rewind right now, what are the things that you would do differently? And it's so pivotal that you do this because I'm telling you, Satan loves to find weak spots. And so what he's going to do is to go, so that works on you, I'm just going to keep doing it. Going to keep doing it and keep doing it. It's just like a football team. What happens yesterday is, is football teams win and lost their games, and all of a sudden next week is already coming up, and what are they doing? They're evaluating the plays that worked last week against your new opponent, right? 
well, you keep running the quarterback up the middle and they don't have any answer for it. Let's just keep doing that. They're going to learn from it. If it works, keep on doing it. And then if you stop the run, guess what happens? You're going to force them to, to do something else. And so, so this is why it's so important. you got to say, if I could press rewind right now, is there any decision that I would make differently? And that's not to make you feel guilty or to make you feel somber and depressed where you get stuck in it, but it's this. If I had the chance to redo it again, what would I do differently? And then you make sure you know that because guess what? An opportunity is going to be coming up soon for you to make that decision again. Okay? So if going down this path, walking with these people, doing these type of things led to this, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Embrace it. Confess to God and say, I'm sorry about it, but I've got to go forward and I can't stay stuck in this. So number one, when you process the situation, here's number two. What circumstances were beyond my control? What circumstances were beyond my control? How many of y'all love this part of the, uh, your life, right? The stuff you can't control? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that part. But, but, but here's, here's the thing, right? How often do we want to look at a situation and say, well, it's all based on those things that were outside of my control, and we never want to own up to our own part in it, right? I was, I was reading something the other day, and uh, it said something about... Um, I've ever been in a conversation with somebody and, and they say, you're just not listening to me. You're not listening to me. And some of you are like, oh, somebody said that to me the other day, but I, didn't, well, I wasn't listening. Oh, no, they, they, they tell you, you know, you never listen to me. You never listen to me. Sometimes people mean you're not listening to them. Sometimes that means you didn't do what I asked you to do or you're not doing it my way. That means you're not listening to me. But sometimes you can listen to somebody and say, I hear what you're saying. I'm just, I don't think it's wise. I'm, I'm going to go the opposite. Right, right. There's a difference. So with this, there are some things in your life that if you go, if I'm dealing with a, this situation, I can't change this, right? There are certain things in my life that I would say I was put at an advantage with, and there are some things I was put at a disadvantage with. So if I think through my own life, when I, grow up, when I was growing up, my dad walked out when I was four years old. I grew up with a single mom, uh, my older sister, it was nothing but two ladies and estrogen in my house. That's all I knew, okay? I'm a baby boy. I'm four years old. I, there's not a dad in the house. There's my sister, and there's my mom. She's a teacher, and we're just struggling to make things work. Am I in that moment somewhat at a disadvantage of what God would probably have preferred for the ideal situation, yes or no? Am I at a disadvantage? Yeah, I, I think that, that's fine. Now, now, here's the thing. What I felt like, though, for a long time is I used those as crutches to get me out of certain situations. Well, I wouldn't be like this, but this happened. Well, I wouldn't be like this, but I never had this. And I used them as crutches. And you know what? They were convenient, real convenient. In a pinch, if I got in trouble, I could say, well, by the way, let me tell you what happened. I didn't grow up with a daddy. You know, my parents were divorced when I was four years old, and da, 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 da. And people would say, oh, really? And I'm looking for a justification and a free pass to do whatever I want to do. That's what I was wanting. But at some point, like I have to say, all right, I can't control the fact that that happened when I was four years old. That happened. We can't go back and change it, can we? It is what it is. Now, i got the challenge now is when I start becoming a man, am I going to learn from that and start owning my own decisions, or am I going to be pointing fingers to people in the dark for the rest of my life? Point, point to people way in the distance, way in the shadows, way in the past. Am I going to be doing that? And there, so you have to say, sort of say, okay, so what are the things, if I could press rewind, what would I do differently? But what are some of the things that I just can't control? There's nothing I can do about that. It is what it is. Number three, what am I unable to change right now? 
So you look at this, and, and, and this is where it comes down to, and I think this is important. Y'all know I say this a bunch, but you have to sometimes look at your life and say, look, it is what it is, right? What is it right now? Some of us go, if I could just be like this, if this could just happen, and I'd say, that's not changing right now. It's not changing. And that can be hard to swallow, but folks, sometimes it's so important for us to get there to say, what am I unable to change right now? So if I'm sitting down and I'm talking with somebody in a counseling situation and they're struggling, I'm going to say, all right, have you learned this lesson? If you could press rewind, what would you do differently? What circumstances were beyond your control back then? And now, what are you unable to change right now? Because then when you get to that place, now you can start looking forward and saying, now what am I going to do? Now, if you turn over the back, we're going to get some wisdom from the word, okay? And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy is fifth in the Old Testament, right before they go into the promised land, right? Uh, let me ask you this question just to make sure we're all on the same page, catch everybody up uh, to speed. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and what he made, he made good. And what he made, he made for his glory. And Adam and Eve had a different idea, right? I'm not going to listen to your words. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make my own rules and do whatever I want to. And God said, if you're going to follow your own rules, you're not going to be in my own place anymore, right? You, you gone, right? So we're going to push you out a little bit. And then all of a sudden what happens from that point, they left the east side of the garden. And if you follow the book of Genesis, the people keep drifting towards the east. Every time that Cain settles over here or Lot goes over there or something happens, every time the people keep drifting eastward, which is kind of weird, but it's almost symbolizing the people are getting further and further away from the presence of God, walking away from Eden, walking away from what God did. It, it, just, just search every time the word east is used in Genesis. It will blow your mind, okay? Keep moving away, keep moving away, keep moving away. Then all of a sudden, God's people move so far away that they're even sinning against each other. They throw uh, Joseph uh, their brother, right? These, these 12 brothers of Jacob, they're going to throw Joseph into a pit, beat him up, take his jacket, and then, they, throw, and then they, they sell him into slavery, right? And he goes into slavery into what nation, everybody? Egypt. He goes there, the most powerful nation in the world, the most, one of the most godless nations that we've ever known about. Pharaoh, who's in charge, thinks he's God. They've got thousands of gods to, to add to that. And then all of a sudden, God says this. Let me, let me ask you a question, Bible scholars. Does God tell these slaves in Egypt, hey, I got 10 commandments I want to give you, and if you guys will obey these really well for 40 days, I'll get you out. That's not what he said, did he? Okay, you're right. There's not only 10 commandments in the Old Testament scriptures. There's 613. That's right. Jog my memory. So he said, follow these 613 commandments that I give you, and then I'll rescue you from slavery. Is that what he said? He said, what did you say? You want out? I'll get you out. Why? Because you're mine. Why? Because I love you. Why? Because we've done anything wrong? Nope. Because no, we've done anything right? Nope. Just because I want to. I'm going to rescue you. And so he rescues these people as they are. He brings them out. He brings them out from slavery and from um, bondage and everything out. They have a new and ruler, they are literally walking out. And as they're walking out, God even get the Egyptians are throwing stuff at these Israelites. Remember what they threw at them? Just jewelry and gold. Here, take our stuff. We don't want it anymore. Just, just take it. We, we, we can't have this stuff anymore. Will you please take it from us? And these people go out into the wilderness. And this gift from God eventually turns into a replacement for God. Because what do they do one day? Moses is up on that mountain. Man, he sure is taking a long time. Because, you know, church people are always patient, right? Uh, 
Man, God's taking a long time. I mean, mo mo where, Moses, do we even know he's down here? It's been lightning and thunder up there. Maybe he's gone. Maybe we just need to do something. I know. Let's use a gift from God as a replacement for God. And they crowded all that gold together and crafted a little idol. Why? Because God was taking too long on what they wanted to do. So, while they're up there, and they're all having a party and making a golden calf, what's Moses hearing? You shall have no other gods before me. Don't make a graven image and, and give him the Ten Commandments. He goes down there, and what does Moses see? They're they, they going absolutely bananas. This is Israelites going wild. This is absolutely crazy. And he and when Moses is up on the mountain going, God, this is, look, don't worry about this. These people are going to be good. And he sees them, and he just starts throwing Ten Commandments. He's, he is through, right? And he goes up there, and he, he says, I, I, can't, I can't put up these people anymore. I, I can't do it. And, and so... They've been given commandments, and they wander for how many years? Forty years because they can't obey these commandments. Are those consequences? Yep, sure are. Uh, nobody but Joshua and Caleb from that original party is going to be able to see the promised land. Everybody else, even Moses himself, is going to go down before this happens. Before it happens. Here it comes. Joshua and Caleb. They finally get there. They get to the promised land. Moses is giving this message in Deuteronomy chapter 28. They are on the edge of the promised land, and, and Moses gets all the Israelites together. It's been 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and he says, let me tell you all something. Before we go across this border, I need to remind you all one more time. <laughs> I'm not doing this another 40 years, okay? I have put up with this for too long because of disobedience and consequences due to your obedience, to your disobedience. So, Look, this is while well, Deuteronomy is full of reminders. Uh, in fact, uh, Deuteronomy, just so you know, what are the, the first, when you see D-E-U, uh, there's other words that, that start like that. Because you might think of a word like a deuce means what? Two. Deuteronomy means a second telling. What it means. He told us those rules in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. He's telling them one more time. Why? Because we need repetition. Sometimes we forget stuff. So this is second telling. So he, he tells the Ten Commandments again. He tells them a bunch of these rules again. And look what he says in Deuteronomy 28. He says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in, and blessed shall be when you go out. Does that sound good to anybody here tonight? That sounds good, okay? Blesses your family, blesses your house, blesses your, your job. Just, if you'll obey, folks, things will be good. Now, all right. Stop one second. Y'all ever known anybody who has done well and still had to suffer consequences? Yes. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Because we've been promised suffering in this world, does it make sense for you to add more suffering onto the suffering you've already been promised by disobeying? Like he's saying, the best course of action, I'll give you an example. The best course of action for everybody here is if you are married to love your spouse and don't love anybody else's spouse, right? Now, if you love your spouse, can you still have problems in your marriage? Sure you can. If you love somebody else's spouse, can you have extra problems? Oh, yeah. You have lots more problems. 
more problems than you need, right? Okay, that's why I look at Solomon and I go, man, it, it, I, I try hard just to be able to love and serve one woman. That, that guy's had a thousand. I can't even understand. Like, what does Valentine's Day even look like, right? I mean, like, this is unbelievable for me to even process, but, but here he's saying, right, if, if you obey me, I, I think we could all agree on this. If you obey him, will you have less natural consequences in this life and other than if you disobey him? Yeah. It's kind of like for those parents in the room. To my child, if you'll just obey, you're not going to be punished. It's kind of simple. Do these things, good things will happen. Do these things, the wrath of daddy's going to come down, right? Like that's just that's what, what's going to what's going to happen. Like so, choose today. He goes on from there. Uh, let's go on down to verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. That kind of sounds similar to that other paragraph, doesn't it? If you obey... There are good results that take place. If you disobey, there are natural consequences that come forward, and it's just curses. Now, does that mean that God does still not shine on us when we do bad things? Not God. God's given me way more than what I deserve in a lot of stupid decisions I made in my life. But I have seen this. Um, God rewards saving rather than going in debt. Make sense? God rewards... Um, working hard towards purity rather than throwing in the towel and just being impure. God, there, there's blessing that comes along with that. There's just so much blessing. Uh, I, was, I was talking recently with a couple who's thinking about getting married and just saying, here's God's best for you. And he's good to us even when we disobey. But folks, it's just better if we'll just follow his path. It's always going to be better than if we do that. Now, this is why I think it's so important is this is in Deuteronomy 28, before or after they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? After. And this is what's beautiful. He's going, hey, folks, you dealt with 40 years of consequences. Let's not tag on any more to it. Right? There's probably somebody in this room tonight that feels like, I've had 40 years of consequences. I have felt 40 strong years of it. I have been dealing with it for a long time. So here's my thing. All right? Do you want to tack on more to it? Just, I'd say, that's enough, isn't it? Folks, I, I mentioned in here, you know, just about situation with, without, you know, with, with a divorced family and not growing up. Like, it was about a year ago or so that my dad was able to come worship with me at, here at Rocky Creek. And I realized, sitting there beside him, this is probably the first time in 33 years that we've ever worshipped together on a Sunday morning. 33 years. Now, do you think years ago he ever thought that was reality? No, he didn't. Now, we can say, man, 33 years, isn't that rough? Yeah, let's not tack on 33 more years. Let's do the right thing now. You following me? Like, consequences are going to happen, but it's not over yet. That's what I just love breathing life into people and going, all right, so you missed 33 years or 40 years or 50 years. You still got some time left. Like this is not over until God says it's over. And there's always redemption and there's always years where God can restore what the scripture or the uh, prophet said. He can restore what the locust has eaten. 
Locusts have come in and taken all this stuff out. Guess what? It's not over yet. And so when you think about this passage, I believe this. You cannot bypass your consequences, but you can't avoid adding to them. You can't bypass that. We are going to have consequences, and some of us are walking through some very difficult times based on some decisions we've made. But you don't have to add more years to it, right? It's kind of like my brothers over at Perry Correctional Prison when we go and talk to them. Hey, they've said you're going to be here this long. If you got good behavior, that might be shortened. Can you add more time onto your time? Oh, yeah. You can add more time on the time you've been promised, right? So it is what it is now. This may not change, but don't add more to it. Do the right thing now. Learn from those consequences that you've had. And so next is, instead of agonizing your decisions, agonizing over your decisions in the past, prioritize making wiser ones in the present. Folks, I'd be depressed if all I do is just look back over my shoulder and think all the what ifs. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. That's depressing. There, there's so much that I feel like, God, I, 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 if I would have avoided this or done that instead, I wouldn't be in this place. Well, instead of doing that, I think what's beautiful here is that Moses looks at these people, speaks on behalf of God, and says, all right, we've walked around in wilderness for 40 years, but this is the promised land which he promised to us, and we're here now. We can stay here. Now, folks, did they stay in the promised land forever? No, they did not. <laughs> because of what? They failed to learn from the mistakes of those before them. And they got back in the same old stuff and got into some bad situations. Now, I want you to turn over to 2 Kings chapter 22 for a second. I know I say this a lot, but this really is one of my favorite passages of the Bible. Um, 2 Kings chapter 22, there's this king named Josiah. Josiah became king when he was eight years old. Eight years old. Gloria, you're seven years old. Do you think you could be queen next year? What do you think about that? I think you could, just saying. Okay, I think she could do it. And Josiah, I don't know, but she could do it, okay? But, but here's the thing, right, is that you think about an eight-year-old child being put in charge of a country right now. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. That's better than some of our politicians. I get it, okay? I get it. But eight years old, that, that's scary, right? That's, that's, that's super scary. But Josiah actually turn into a decent king. But look over at chapter 22, verse 8. Uh, what context of this is, Josiah says, can y'all go in the temple and clean it out? I'm going to do a little spring cleaning. No one's been in there for a little bit. Let's make sure things straighten up. This is what happens. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. So just think for a second. Here's a king who has lived in his father's shadow, and they've got idols and statutes and all kinds of stuff all over the city. And all of a sudden, this guy starts reading Genesis through Deuteronomy. I imagine by the end of this, this man is shaking in his boots because he's looking around going, so don't build a what like that? <laughs> oh, don't, don't let people marry like that? Oh, really? And he just he reads it, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Look what happens next. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. 
And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Aachim the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people, for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So he goes, I'm reading Genesis through Deuteronomy, and I know this, we're in trouble. So you go get on your face before the Lord and beg him for mercy. That's what I'm asking you to do. So let me shorten the story up a little bit. So they go in before the Lord, and what's happened is God says, no, I'm going to bring consequences on this land because of their decisions. But here's the deal, Josiah. Because you've been humble, because you've been repentant, your eyes won't have to see it. Now it's coming. Consequences are coming to this land. They're too entrenched in it. But you're not going to have to see it face to face because you were humble and you asked for mercy here. So if I'm Josiah, I'm going, so what do you mean? After I die, it's going to happen? Yep, you're good. You're free. Enjoy a long life. Enjoy living in the palace. I'm going to go, all right, sweet. I'm good, right? Just done. I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's not what Josiah does. It's not what he does at all. Look at chapter 23. Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. Well, that sounds great, but here it is. Look at this next. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal, for Asherah, for all the hosts of heaven, he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he deposed the priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem, those who had burned incense to Baal, to the sun and the moon and the constellations and all the hosts of the heavens. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the book Kidron and burned it at the book Kidron and beat it to dust and cast the dust of it upon the graves of the common people. Now, he just killed that stuff about three times. If <laughs> you just say, brought it down, I'm going to burn it, I'm going to get it in dust, I'm going to throw it on graves. I mean, this is just relentless, folks, right? Here's what I don't see. I don't see a man saying, well, at least I don't have to deal with the consequences. I don't worry about it. You know what he's thinking? But can I spare somebody else? Can I spare somebody else? Folks, some of us have gone through so much life to keep it locked inside your head and your conscience and not share somebody else to warn them alongside the way is negligence. You know what that road leads to, don't you? you? You know where that path takes you. And to sit there and go, well, that's not my responsibility. I, I look at my life and thinking, can I spare my children from some dumb decisions when they're a 16-year-old? Yeah. Can I spare my children from saying, don't be like your dad when he was 30 years old. Can I do? Yes, I can. And what I almost feel myself like is going, okay, I've gone down that road, and the GPS tells you it's okay to go on it. But I'm telling you, it ain't good. Don't go down that road. There is not a good place you want to go to. It's dangerous. I want to help you not go down that path. And that's what I love about Josiah. He goes, okay, I know what there are certain consequences coming, but I want to remove as many of them as I can. So when I think about his example, here's some things to think about. Negligence of God's word can lead to consequences from God's hand, right? 
Josiah and his people were dealing with consequences because they were just negligent of God's word. They just weren't going to open up God's word. They weren't going to read it. They weren't going to study it. And if you aren't reading it or studying it, guarantee you're not obeying it, right? You might get a couple things right every so often. Every so often you might. But ultimately, if you're being negligent of God's word, you are leading yourself to have consequences from God's hand. It's leading that happen. And so that's taking place for these people. But the next thing that we need to know is this. Even if God graciously removes consequences, do what you can do to ensure others won't experience them either. This is where discipleship comes in, folks. To be able to look at somebody in your family, in a relationship you have, somebody who looks up to you and says, let me tell you something. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and you don't want it. You don't want it. Let me spare you from that. Psalm 78, oh my goodness, this is one, this is one of the Psalms, that, uh, the first few verses I memorized when I first became a dad. It says, we're going to teach our children all the glorious ways of the Lord, and we're going to teach them that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. What? <laughs> it means, look at your kids and say, don't be like dad in this situation. I, I, I want to help you, because so many times you, you're walking and going, I, I don't know why my kids are doing these kind of things. I, I, I went through the same situation. Have you ever told them? Have you ever said, learn from the consequences that I'm walking through to make sure you don't go through them either? Now turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. All the way on the other side of the Bible. Paul is finishing up this letter to some folks that they had a whole lot of religion, but also a whole lot of extra stuff that they had piled on. And at the end of this book, he really gets some real strong, I think, practical applications for how we should live and encourage one another. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Hold on. Does that sound like everybody's church's um, experience in your life? You mess up, let me with the spirit of gentleness restore you. No, it's not. Let, let us shame you publicly, right? Let us say everybody tell about all your business, and it's kind of like, y'all ever been one of those prayer meetings? Now, I don't mean to gossip, but we're going to, I have a prayer request. Did you know what so-and-so's doing over there? Okay. I would say this if they were here. Well, hold on, I got a phone. We'll call them, okay? Just hold on. You know, There's so many times that we like to get in each other's drama rather than helping somebody get out of it. We, we just, we love because, I, I tell you what it is, when you can pinpoint somebody else's stuff, maybe everybody isn't staring at your own stuff anymore, right? That's the easiest tactic in the book. Make everybody forget about your stuff, start talking about everybody else. He says, if you've caught any transgression, you who are spiritual, if you feel spiritual tonight, you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. There's a good word, right? Calling out somebody else's sin. Be careful, be careful. Verse number two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So it's interesting here because he says, look, bear one another's burdens, but also know this, you're going to have to carry your own load. I think what he's saying this, we all got to walk and deal with our own consequences. We've got to walk through certain things. Some of it you asked for, some of you you did not ask for. And yeah, we're going to come alongside and help somebody else. But I can't hand my complete burden to somebody else. I've got to walk with it, right? I've, I've got to walk with this. This is something I got to own. I, I put responsibility here. Now, do I have hopefully brothers and sisters who are going to come alongside and say, I'll help you with it? I hope I do. I don't want to go this on my own. 
But at the end of the day, we've got to say, I know that I have to, I have to carry this. And, and here's what I am saying. I think sometimes when God allows consequences in our life, it's one of the most loving things he can do. It's one of the most loving things that he can do. I think it's important to accept consequences as God's gracious warning against further disobedience. When you accept the consequences that come in your life, it is God's gracious warning against further disobedience. First day I got my permit, headed out of DMV in Greenwood, South Carolina. My mama is in the passenger seat, and I got this, and I had never learned about that little um, little blind spot in, in the thing. I, I looked in the rearview mirror, and I'm, I'm just going to, oh, there's no car behind me, so I'm going to switch lanes there. There wasn't a car behind me, but there was a car beside me. Did y'all know that? I, I didn't. I just thought if I could look in the rearview mirror, everything would be fine. And I remember that old Bronco 2, 1988 Bronco 2. They didn't have all those lights on the side mirrors, you know what I'm talking about, and things dinging and telling you there's cars coming around you. I just start swerving over into it. And right before I hit that car, the horn goes off, I swerve over, pull over to the median, and I'm going, here's my permit, mama. I don't want it anymore, okay? Like, I, I'm done with driving. I've done this five minutes. I am through, okay? Now, I, I look on that, and I had, a, I had a near clipping experience. I near messed up that car, near got my mom hurt, and you know what happened? To this day, I am very, very hesitant to change lanes without checking all my sides. Praise God for that near bump up. You following me? Praise God, I almost did something really, really bad and hurt somebody because it changed the way that I change lanes from here on out. Folks, the consequences you're dealing with in your life right now are some of God's best gifts to you because it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. Some of us know some of us should have died about 14 times by now, right? I mean, just life is hard. We made decisions. We got ourselves in all kinds of situations, and I'm going, you're... Yeah, I know you may not be where you want to be right now, but you're not where you could be. And, and even some of these consequences that have come, it's God's gracious hand in saying it could be worse. It's just like your child. when they I don't, I don't know what kind of parenting you're in, but when my child would try to stick their finger in an electrical socket, I'd smack that hand as hard as I could. You'd hurt that child? You better believe I would because there's a worse pain if they continued. It's a worse pain if they continued. So I'd smack that hand. I'd smack that bottom if they ran out in the road. Why? Because a, a, a hit on the bottom is a whole lot worse than getting hit by a truck. So I'm going to teach them some consequences when that happens. I love you, but I'm not going to let you do this. Why? Because I don't want worse to happen to you. Some of us right now that are struggling with consequences, God, why won't you just take these away? Because if he did, you'd get back in the same old stuff. There's reality, folks. There's reality for us. Look what he says next, verse 6. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Folks, this is important for all of us to know, but your life will reap the most whatever you sow the most. Successes, failures, consequences, benefits, you name it. Your life, you will reap the most whatever you sow the most. If you sow peace into your marriage, most oftentimes you're going to reap peace. If you sow generosity, you're going to reap contentment. But if you sow destruction and deceit and violence and selfishness, you're going to reap it. It's going to come on you, and, and you're going to be caught up in this, and, and, and you don't know how to get through. 
I love what he says, verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, while we have the opportunity, let's do good to everyone, and especially those who are the household of faith. And so if we think through our consequences, let me give you just a few tips for the journey. If we're sitting in and we're having a little counseling session, whoever fills this tonight, if you're, you're living here, here's some things I want to encourage you to think through. Failure to learn from previous mistakes invites you to repeat them. Failure to learn from your previous mistakes will invite you to repeat them. Does it hurt? Praise God. Is it not where you want to be? Praise God that you've got enough wit about you to see that now. It's not where you want to be. I get it. You can't press rewind. It is what it is. I'm saying, but if you don't learn from those mistakes, you're probably going to repeat them. Folks, how many of y'all know that some of the people who struggle so much in life, I go back to always parenting because this is so important, but some kids have never had an authority in their life stop them to do what they want. Y'all ever seen that little toddler terror that's burning down a store or something? You know, they're just they're screaming and whatever, and you're just watching the whole thing. There's a nuclear meltdown because this kid wants to take this thing off the rack or wants to get this type of food, and they're just screaming and yelling and throwing stuff. And what does the parent do? If you'll just stop, I'll give it to you. Are you kidding me? You just negotiated with a terrorist. That's what you did right there. You just gave in, and you taught them, scream enough, and you'll get your way. You just taught them that. Pout, yell, scream, fuss, fight, and somebody will give up and give your way. There's a lot of adults that are still doing that right now. They are. We just scream a little bit and just pitch my fit, and somebody's going to give in. And you go, okay, fine, 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 fine. And then all of a sudden, they come up into somebody in their life who doesn't let them have it anymore. And they go, this isn't reality. I've always gotten my way. Well, it's a new day. And I'm, I'm saying, right now, some of the mistakes and consequences that come in our life, it's so important for you to say, this hurts, and I wish it wasn't there. God, I wish you'd remove it. But if you don't, I'm going to learn from it. I, I'm not going to do the same thing over and over and over again because I, I know where this leads. Number two, if you constantly play the victim, you will always be defeated. If you constantly play the victim, if you're dealing with consequences, well, this would have happened if so-and-so would have done this to me and this happened, blah, 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 and you're always the victim, guess what? The victim's always the one being defeated. <laughs> you're staying in that state. And folks, there are some people today that I will talk with who are walking around, still got life, still got opportunity, and are still being owned by people who are dead and in the grave. That's just facts. They still got a hold on you. Still got a hold on you. And it's playing the victim card. And folks, I wish I could take away all the hurt that's in this room, anything represented in your life that you say, oh, I wish this would change. I wish this would be different. I wish I could take it away. I can't. It is what it is. But if you continue to stay well, the reason I'm this way is because of all those things. You're never going to get up out of it. You're going to stay in it. Number three, you are only responsible for your cont contribution to the situation. You're not responsible for what those other people did to you. You're not responsible for how they made you feel. You're not responsible for the evil that's been done for you. You're responsible for how you reacted then, how you, how you react now. Some of us have got to sort of let everybody else off the hook, and, and God will be their judge. And he, he, he's, he's a good one too, by the way. I know a lot of you go, yeah, but does he know about this? Is he going to handle this? He'll handle it fine. He can even see the situation, right? He can see that busted up, broken part of your life, and he can see what you're responsible for for the things that you had no control over. And you know what? He can discern that and take care of it. He can. Praise God for that, right? 
Praise God that he can say, I'm not holding you responsible for what he did to you or what she didn't do. For, I'm, I'm, I'm holding you responsible for your contribution here. Number four, blaming others might alleviate guilt, but it will not promote healing. If you continue to blame everybody else, especially if they're not in the room, they're not in the situation, it might help you not feel so guilty, but I can promise you this, you're not going to get better. Y'all had a time, there was, there was a, a guy in a discipleship group I was leading one time, and all the time he was just saying, we all pray for me because we're having marriage problems. All right, that's fine. Anything else you want, you know, and he, he just wants to continue to talk. Well, all he's doing is just telling us about how bad of a wife he's got. She's doing this and she's doing that. Y'all just pray for us. You know, and if she just wouldn't do this, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, can you stop for a second? He said, what? I said, she's not in this group. You are. So from this point on in the conversation, I don't want to hear anything else that she's doing. I want to hear what you're doing. She, she's not, I, I, don't, I don't care if she is Jezebel herself. I have never seen a marriage where it is 100% one person's fault and 0% somebody else is just all perfect. Never seen that because Jesus never got married, Right? This is the situation. There's always something ongoing there. So at some point, you can say, what's well, this, this, this? I get that. What have you contributed to it? And in fact, if you can't push back, some of the times in counseling, folks, if, if I were to sit there with two people who are in disagreement and I, I start coming at somebody and I'm saying, you need to do this and you need to change this, and if I turn and say, no, to you, let me talk to you, and all of a sudden, if they get defensive and they don't want to listen to anything that has to do with them versus that other person, we got a problem there. We've got to own up what, what responsibility we have. And number five, the last one is this. You cannot change what you have done, but you can change what you would do now. You cannot change what you've done, but you can change what you would do now. Folks, I am, um, I am always super hopeful. Um, I believe that if God can raise Jesus from the dead, there is no situation or even set of circumstances that God can't use. I'm still old school enough to believe that what God can work together for good, all things, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even consequences, sinful decisions that you're walking through, I believe that God can use and he will use, but I think sometimes we've got to acknowledge what they are. We've got to stop blaming everybody else. We've got to sort of see what type of admission that we've got in this and what we need to do. Um, folks, I, I can think through... Um, a few years ago, talking with someone who had made some horrible, horrible decisions in their life. Just, and I think everybody here, we're all grown enough to know this. Your decisions don't just affect you, do they? That's, that's part of the problem, right? It's like, if this just affected me, I could deal with it, but I know it affects them and all these other people, and, and, you, and you feel that. I, I understand that 100%. And that's what was so challenging. But as I talked with this person who had made very, very bad decisions, and things were not looking good. And this was heading towards a whole lot of other consequences that were not going to be good for this person. Um, I asked this person how low they were. They were very, very low. And I asked this person, honestly, what they were considering. And they were considering just being done with it. Just, and even looked at me and said, I think everybody in my life would just be better if I just went away. And I looked at this person and I said, if you do that, I want you to know something. You're not making their life any easier. If anything, you're putting more problems and pain on them right now because you're going to be gone and they're going to be left with all a bunch of questions and a lot of pain and they're still going to be picking up the pieces of your consequences that you're bailing on. 
They said, so what do you expect me to do? I said, man up and walk through these consequences that you set up. And don't you put these on anybody else more than they have to be. Folks, I think there's something God-honoring when you say, God, this is my mess, and I need your help cleaning it, and I'm willing to get to work. I'm not going to point fingers anymore. This is my mess, and I know this. If anybody can make good out of a situation, aren't you glad God's in your corner? God doesn't want to waste this. He doesn't want to waste what's broken in you right now. He's going to, I can use this, and I can actually use you to help other people not go down this path. But if you sit and whine and moan and, oh, you know, it, you never get there. But if you can say, it is what it is, but for God's glory, he can make good out of even this mess. Then you walk through with it day by day, and you trust him for the process. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, this church family. I love these people so much. Thank you for their attendance tonight. Thank you for their desire to learn more from your word. Thank you that your word teaches us so many things. And, Lord, we want to sow uh, to the Spirit rather than the flesh. But for the times that we have sown to the flesh and we've caused corruption and we've caused issues and we've caused all types of consequences, God, we thank you that you are good, you're compassionate, that you're patient. And God, you can take the worst things in our life and turn them to good. Jesus, I, I think the greatest tragedy that's ever happened in this world was your death on a cross when you didn't deserve it, and yet through it was the greatest gift that this world has ever seen. And so if you can take some of the most tragic thing that's ever happened in life for, your, for our good and for your glory, then I'm going to trust even the consequences, no matter how small or large they may be, for every single person at every single table tonight, we're going to trust you. And we're going to learn from them. We're going to grow from them. And through your help, we don't have to repeat them. And through your help, we can guide others not to make the same decisions. And so, God, tonight as we walk through these things, Lord, we thank you that we don't walk alone. And we do not walk with a God who is unable to make good out of such bad situations. So, Lord, just through this moment, Lord, I pray that this counsel will, be, will fall on good ears and good hearts tonight as we process the things that we walk through. We commit our lives and, um, and the remainder of our days to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.